You're listening to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, with Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, and Aaron Hawksworth from BetQL. Welcome back. BetQL Daily right here. It's a very strange trade. Very strange trade. You'd really have to be a jazz or a Nets fan to even know what I'm talking about right now. Okay. I don't even know if I'm you guys know what I'm see. Yeah. I, I have like, both uh, notifications uh-huh. for They traded Royce O'Neal, who is a role-playing yeah. three-point defensive shooter, to Brooklyn for a future first-round draft pick. And so you're going, well, what do you care about Royce O'Neal? Why does that matter? Why would the Jazz do that? Why would the Jazz do that? Welcome back. BetQL Daily right here on the BetQL Network. Of course, one week ago, that was Wendy, Brian Windhorst, becoming a meme that I'm still seeing. And the best memes last for a while. Brian Windhorst certainly has become one of those. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about the Nets, about the Summer League, NBA free agency right now with Reed Wallach of BetSide and also some of his early college football win totals. Reed joining us on the Roman guest line. Reed, of course, along with all his work, is a Nets fan. So, Reed, Take us through how you're handling all this. Uh, just, I mean, in a summer that two weeks ago felt like it was all blowing up, and yet both Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are still Nets. What's uh, what's the feeling of a Nets fan today? Oh, guys, thanks for having me on. Uh, I, I described it as my different stages of grief, and I am currently in the angst. That's where I am. I'm kind of mad at everyone. Just I think that – the team is to blame. Durant is to blame. Kyrie's to blame. Everyone is at fault in the situation. And I mean, I think I deserve a little bit of blame. I don't know why. I just, I'll, I'll take some heat here, but it just, it feels like everything that could have went wrong, went wrong. And honestly, at this point, it feels like egos have gotten in the way of um, an amicable, like kind of conclusion here where they could kind of sit down and hash through all their issues and figure it out. It does feel like there's no, like the bridge is burned. It's too far gone. Durant and Kyrie are going to be on different teams come, I don't know when the trade will go down. I actually think it's going to happen sometime in July, but it just feels like it's too far gone for this to really be resolved. And honestly, I'm the one who's going to end up losing because of the, you know, we're going to let a generational, two generational players walk out the door. Oh my gosh. I'm just, I just got distracted looking at your tweet. Out Nick Curios wearing that Jason Tatum jersey and you took a shot at him. A little ricochet shot there. Um, yeah, so depressing news. I mean, do you just get the sense that these guys are going to stay in Brooklyn? No, I, I do think that this is it's gone and there's really no chance of them resolving it. Why exactly? I think it's, it's being reported pretty interestingly, in my opinion. I think that, to me, it just seemed like Durant requested a trade. He didn't really like how they treated Kyrie. And now there's no resolution with him staying on the net. It just feels like Durant has said, I'm done here. I want to go someplace else. And, you know, like for lack of a better term, like screw you guys, I want to play for another team. So I I don't (laughs) think there's going to be a resolution. I think that they kind of don't want to play for them anymore. And it is what it is. If I think it's kind of wrong, you signed an extension, you haven't even played a game on your four year extension. But, you know, that's how the NBA works, right? That's how you have to play it. It is. It is how it works. And, and Reed, it's, it's, the, it's the reality of college football here, of, 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 excuse me, and the NBA, that these guys run the league and they're probably going to go at some point. Um, if they do, wh- what are you thinking in terms of the Nets' return? Because we've seen some rumors out there where they get back, what they might want back. Um, are you looking at it where the Nets are cooked here if these two guys are gone, or do you foresee a scenario where like, I keep thinking about the Raptors? The Raptors have a lot to offer. I think the Nets could 
in a different way, set themselves up with some draft picks and young players that maybe this isn't the end of the world um, and they could kind of you know get their feet back on them within a couple of years if they make the right deal. Yeah, I, I think that it sounds dramatic, but this next move and how the Nets decide to play this is going to define their franchise for the next decade. I, I don't really think that's hyperbolic. I think that if they take some poo-poo platter from the Suns, they are going to hit the tank. They're going to be hoping that those draft picks down the road eventually pan out and stuff. And they're going to be at net neutral because the Rockets have all their picks going forward for the foreseeable future. So if the Nets don't come away from this trade with at least one young all-star, and we could get into those names, I, you know, the Nets could really be in some trouble long-term. So I do think if they, if they do trade Durant to the Suns, which is where he wants to go, the Suns package isn't there. But if they're able to expand the deal and send out Ben Simmons, get back Donovan Mitchell, for example, they could at least sell to someone like me, a big fan, say, hey, listen, obviously this is a mess. We know we mess up, but we have a young player, 25, 26-year-old in Donovan Mitchell, who has playoff experience. I actually think that the way the Jazz kind of fell apart is kind of casting a cloud over Donovan Mitchell's value. This guy has played in big games before, showed up in the playoffs. Like, I think that there's a world where Donovan Mitchell – Maybe he's not like in that tier of player that could win you a championship, but like, can he be better than Damian Lillard on the right roster? Yeah, I think so. I don't think that's like that crazy to say, given his track record already at a young age. So I do think if there's ultimately a Suns trade, the Nets need to somehow find a way to get another team with a Donovan Mitchell-esque player. The Nets should be hoping, though, that the Raptors want to get involved and eventually are willing to part with Scotty Barnes or the Pelicans say, hey, We'll give you, I mean, my favorite package right now would be Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones, Larry Nance, and a boatload of picks. Because the Pelicans, they can make that move, trade a handful of their assets, still be, you know, net positive in terms of, like, draft capital. They run it with Durant and Zion, and then they could still make another move because they've hit on their draft picks, and they still have capital to get a third guy. Not to mention C.J. McCollum's already on the roster, so... My hope is that a team like the Pelicans want to get involved and give up someone like Brandon Ingram because then the Nets could roll with Simmons. Hope he still could complete basketball, you know, simple basketball tasks like dribbling and, you know, dunking. We know he can't shoot. But with Ingram, that's a roster where I'm like, okay, at least we have some young talent moving forward and we're back to neutral on those picks. So I'm hoping for the Pelicans to get involved in the coming, you know, weeks here. Hey, Reed, just going back a little bit, talking about KD real quick. What exactly happened? Uh, is this in the organization? Is this have more to do with the product that's on the court right now with the players? What exactly led to this massive breakdown in such a short amount of time? Cody, it's an excellent question. <laughs> I wish I knew the right answer because I think it's being reported so weird because it's just, yeah, Durant wants out. And then that's just in the end of it. There hasn't been further. There's been like little drops of in information like Durant was pissed how the Warriors won and stuff, but a team that is going to acquire Kevin Durant is likely going to be worse than the Nets' current roster. The Nets, as currently constructed, would be the best team that Durant could play on, right? Because if the Suns trade for him, let's just say, they're going to give up everyone. They're going to lose Aiden also. It's going to be Durant, Booker, CP3, and a bunch of kind of role players like Bismack Biombo, I believe, is their starting center right now. So I don't even think that they're going to be that good. I do believe it is an organizational issue and the problem with whether it's directly Joe Sy and Durant, it is, you know, Sean Marks in there. 
I think that the way the Kyrie Irving situation has played out really has rubbed Durant the wrong way. But it, we don't know for sure right now. I do think, though, it's not a roster construction issue. It is a more of like a moral type of standoff. And it's he, Durant doesn't feel that he's being treated right or the players aren't being treated right. Something There's been a disconnect between the front office and Durant for sure. Yeah, that's that's an understatement. Yeah, and I was just going to say, with so much drama with these two guys, so much uncertainty, is there some value on some futures right now? I mean, I'm definitely not on the Nets side. I would not go near Brooklyn Nets future because I do think that Durant and Kyrie will be on different teams by the time they start playing games. I think that the Nets, as a title contender, unfortunately, to my dismay, they are out of the picture. So there's no value there, in my opinion. I mean... If you like, I also don't think there's value in Suns futures because the market is kind of hedging towards Durant will be a Sun. And to be quite honest with you, I don't think the Suns are going to be a runaway favorite in a crowded Western Conference. I wouldn't say that the Timberwolves are finals contenders, but they're going to win a lot of regular season games. I think that they could push the envelope and maybe get towards like the top two, one or two seeds in the West. You have the Warriors, obviously, are defending champions. The Lakers, healthy, could win a lot of games with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and probably Kyrie Irving at this rate. Um, the Nuggets, in my opinion, to me, though, that is where the value is. And if Durant goes to the Suns, I think you're going to see a lot of Western Conference teams drop down. And I think that's when I'm going to get in on the Nuggets. Because I think the Nuggets, if healthy, Michael Porter, Judy, Jamal Murray, they're good to go. The Nuggets have made a ton of really good signings, made some good trades along the margins for guys like Kentavious Caldwell Pope. They signed Bruce Brown, a former net, who I think is going to fit fantastically with Nikola Jokic. So I'm going to wait for this trade to play out because I do think he ultimately ends up on the Suns in like a complicated five-team deal. That's like my prediction. And then I'm going to get in on other teams to fade the Suns because I just don't think the Suns, their roster is going to be good enough to win a title. Of course, they have the high-end talent, but that depth isn't there. And, of course, with an older CP3. So Denver's a team I have my eye on, and I'm waiting to get in on them from the future's perspective. Reed, we were watching the Summer League. What was your perspective on Chet a couple nights ago? So you got, got bullied around by Kenny Lofton Jr., but the night before, he was unbelievable and kind of opened everyone's eyes, became the favorite in a lot of books to win the Rookie of the Year. Your, your perspective on Chet, and um, what did you think going into the draft with him going two and Palo one and, uh, and Jabari number three? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it seems like every draft this year has been like that crazy kind of lit steam towards the the pick, which has been great entertainment and great uh, money-making perspective for sure. I mean, I try not to overreact to Summer League because ultimately it is glorified pickup basketball. The quality of play just isn't that great. But listen, you saw what Chet Holmgren could do. I had him and I actually had him and Jabari Smith as my two top prospects over Paolo Bancaro. Not that I think Bancaro is bad. I just, you know, that's how I'm ranking the process. They're all great. I think that people have this concern of Chet that he's too skinny. He can't do this. He can't do that. The guy is literally, he's, I don't want to compare him to Duran, obviously, but the way he could shoot, the way he can move, his rim protection, of course, he's going to get bullied by the right matchup, like a Kenneth Lofton, who's kind of a bulldozer, but. I'm not surprised that he's able to beat up on such lowly competition because his skill set is so unique and, you know, his ability to stretch the floor, but also play inside. It was awesome to watch. I saw his rookie of the year numbers dip down. I think that was a bit of an overreaction. If we're looking rookie of the year though, one guy that caught my eye, I haven't bet it yet, but I, you know, I'm waiting to see. I think their first game is tonight. Benedict Mather into the Pacers is a really interesting rookie of the year bet because 
Most rookie of the years, they only come from top 10 picks. Most teams are going to be bad anyway. And it's more of a guard-driven or, or wing-driven, ball-dominant award. Like, Chad, I don't think, is going to get the ball enough. And I also think, you know, the Thunder could tank going forward, you know, in, into the year. Like, Chad could only end up playing 50-some-odd games because the Thunder like to pull their bright young players so they could lose more games. Benedict Mather is going to play a ton for the Pacers. He has, you know, I know it's like the hot, trendy name now, but he's got that dog in him. He has that confidence to really ball out on a bad Pacers team. He's going to get a ton of reps. If he comes out at the beginning of the year, I'm really looking forward to him to really get a ton of reps on ball with a rebuilding Pacers team. I saw him like 12 to 1, double digits. I think Matherin's worth a dart. Vancaro's the rightful favorite because he's going to touch the ball a lot. But I can see Matherin putting up close to, you know, 18 points a game on a bad Pacers team, get those counting stats and kind of take this rookie of the year. Jay and Ivy's playing next to Cade Cunningham. I think Jay and Ivy is a kind of a fade in this market based on his number right now. And so have you been betting summer league at all? Um, and if so, any tips for our viewers as you're looking at this? Uh, I I bet on the Thunder last night thinking Chet was going to play, took the minus one and a half on the spread, noticed that they seem to be taking summer league seriously, and then kind of a bad beat they lost by one point. <laughs> yeah, I I think summer league, it's, one, it's similar to how to bet the NBA regular season. You need to see these rosters come out and – you know, you might be getting the worst number, but you also don't want to get it going the other way, right? Where maybe the good players are going to sit out for your team. Like, I know the Pistons have a loaded summer league roster, but Cade Cunningham, what, he only played a few minutes and he was done. I, he's not going to play going forward. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of waiting to see on summer league. I'm not getting that invested in it. Honestly, it's kind of full college football prep for me right now. So I'm not super looking forward to betting summer league. I will say I'll be looking to fade the Utah Jazz a ton. They are the worst summer league roster, I think, far not, and it's show, they've shown that. So I think the Jazz, if that's a team you're looking to bet against, it's Utah for me. And kind of wait and see how these rosters pan out you know, over the coming days because you just don't know who's going to play on a given day. You know, you mentioned real quick, just real, real quick, who's going to be the best team in college football this year, and should we all fade the Pac-12 all season long? Yeah, it, like I said, it's I am in full college football prep mode. I've started – I did this last year. I did kind of – I do conference previews over on bet side, but I also do one over and one under on betting for each conference from a win total perspective. So I'm in the early stages. Pac-12 is going to be a fade for me. I do like Utah out of that conference, just an early bet that I made. But in terms of best team, I think it's Ohio State this year. I'm a Big Ten guy. I'm a Wisconsin guy. I have – seen Ohio State run through this conference basically year over year. They play on a different playing field than the rest of the conference. Just their way to they kind of throw the ball. They have so many athletes compared to Wisconsin, for example. But Ohio State, the market is showing it. They're the second choice to win it all. I agree with that. I actually think that they are better than Alabama, to be quite honest with you. So much returning production. They have two Heisman candidates in um, Smith and Jigba and CJ Shroud, of course. I think Ohio State's the best team in the country this year. And Reed Wallach, a bet side, a bet Ohio State to win it all. He was on the Roman guest line there. On the other side, we'll dive into today's baseball slate on a Friday. That's up next right here on the BetQL Network. You're listening to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, with Joe Ostrowski, Joe Dilio, and Aaron Hawksworth from BetQL.